So hey everyone, welcome to the newest episode of the SaaS Sessions podcast. This is me, Sunil. I'm your host for today. Today I have Shay Howe. He's a product leader with a design and engineering background. Currently, he's the VP of Design and Active Campaign. Active Campaign, as you might have all heard of, is one of the fastest growing startups uh, in as per SaaS startups as per G2 crowd. And Active Campaign is uh, a marketing automation platform which helps growing businesses meaningfully connect and engage with their customers. So, hey, Shay, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Sunil, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So, uh, is there anything that you want to uh, add to your introduction, Shay, or like maybe spice it up a little? Yeah, well, I mean, you got you got it. Pretty much nailed it. But yeah, Active Campaign, very, very fast growing organization. And yeah, you, you exactly on the money. We're an automation platform to help deliver ideal customer experiences. Mm-hmm. So we're helping these growing businesses meaningfully connect and engage with their customers. We focus in a number of different ways to do that. So be it orchestration of different tools and data so that you can build segmentation around those and you can personalize your communications uh, and the experiences you create for those customers mm-hmm. and helping leverage automation to, to drive all that together. So we do some email marketing, we have a CRM, we support account management, uh, and the bread and butter is automation. Uh, and you're exactly right. It's hyper growth on our end. So, you know, getting into the tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of customers and, you know, hundreds of employees uh, throughout the last few years. So very exciting yeah. times. Yeah, totally. I mean, uh, I think Active Campaign is one of the very first uh, few marketing automation companies. So it was started in 2003. I mean, it's, it's been there for 17 years. So you can, you know, imagine how mature the company and the product is, right, in terms of marketing automation. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it's been it's it's been a long time. It might seem like one of those kind of overnight successes, mm-hmm. but honestly, kind of anything but. You know, the company's been at this uh, a while. Right. Um, I'd say in the, in the last few years, has really found that pace, a strong product mm-hmm. market fit, and it's really started to grow. So right, I mean, it's it's so old, but it like you know looks and you know feels so young the whole the whole company right for sure yeah the the in in the product itself is like something we talk about so mm-hmm. you know it's been oriented around growing businesses and small businesses at that so you know the way it's been designed the way it's been thought of and grown has been mm-hmm. one to support these businesses and how they onboard how they implement it how they get that time to value uh, and it's right. been something we talk about that is complete functionality and what they need to do but it's right. not complex, right? It doesn't right. take, you know, six weeks of onboarding calls to get up and running with Active Campaign, right? You can do that sure. in a matter of minutes and, you know, really start to build some automations and interactions with your customers around it. So it yeah. takes a long time to get there, but we have an incredible mm-hmm. platform and base there to do that now. Nice, pretty much like a self-serve model. But yeah, you would have a lot of, you know, data on, you know, how you have built the products because you took like 17 years you know, to really, really mature the product. And that, that's a really good sign as well, right? That means you have like really waited for taking any decisions and that would show like there should be a lot of data analysis that would go behind, you know, taking any any decision that involves in, in terms of the product, right? So, Absolutely. yeah, so yeah, talking about design specifically here. So you, you know, own, own the design function at Active Campaign. So tell us how the design teams are structured. Yeah. So design and active campaign consist of four, I'll say four core design teams. One is the product design team. So those are designers that are 
uh, generalist by nature and sit inside of a cross-functional product or kind of agile team, if you will. So that's a designer that is building out a tight relationship with a product manager, an engineering manager, uh, product marketing manager, and they're focused on uh, you know, a given part of our platform and uh, delivering to the customers around that. Uh, that designer is going to do anything from what would be product thinking to interaction design to visual design. Again, uh, a bit of a generalist, if you will. Right. Yeah. The other side of, of design in that is what we call our communication design team. And that's a team that's focused uh, more on the marketing, the communications, the brand, and like the identity side of design. Mm-hmm. So, you know, tightly related to marketing and the go-to-market teams we have. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's designing everything from our website into what would be any of the swag or collateral we're putting together for events. It could be our emails, advertisements, so you name it. So essentially right. all other functions of what would be considered traditional design is happening there. We have another team so, for design mm-hmm. systems. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a team focused on basically how do we develop uh, our style? How do we create a library for that? And how do we make that library a tool used by all other teams in the organization? Uh, so that manifests itself inside of an actual code base that's used inside the product, as well as a number of guidelines and assets and libraries for people to get templates of what would be uh, you know, presentations or uh, iconography, other areas. So uh, a team focused on Uh, the design systems and operations of design, if you will. Mm -hmm. And then we have uh, a front-end team as well. Front-end focused on how do we actually build out what is uh, that public-facing website and the presence behind all of that. So kind of four core designed teams within the design org at ActiveCampaign. Right. So that's like a pretty solid design team uh, structure there, right? So as a company, it would have obviously spent a lot of time in over design, right? Because that would be the first step in like, you know, when you're building any product, right? So it's the user experience that, that it's kind of creating, right? That like the whole design will be something that, you know, the uh, powers everything. So uh, like, how do you guys carry out UX research at Active Campaign? Yeah, this is one of the best parts about Active Campaign. Honestly, uh-huh. I've never worked in an organization with so many sources of feedback. We have such a vibrant customer base and vocal ones at that. So, you know, at, at Active Campaign, we have a plethora of ways to capture feedback. Two of the most like ones like I spend a lot of time uh, digging into would be what is like our Net Promoter Score. So we're, we're surveying users of our platform on a consistent interval, that of which they can provide a numerical rating as well as commentary around that. Uh, mm-hmm. And anyone who does that, I get an email around. Uh, and I can keep tabs and track of that, as well as we pipe a lot of those into a Slack channel around mm-hmm. design-specific feedback. So if someone in that commentary provides keywords around design, mm-hmm. we put that in a channel for everyone inside the design org to see and reference. I also look a lot at our churn feedback in surveys. So anytime a customer leaves, you know, I'll get an email around kind of what were their account details and why are they leaving to try and keep an eye on what that looks like. But those are, those are two signals of many. We have an incredible community. So we have a private Facebook group with well over 10,000 customers in it talking to yeah. one another mm-hmm. and a source of gold, like just to watch your customers right. talk to one another and help each other yeah. out through different issues. Totally. Um, mm-hmm. 
incredible. Uh, and then as a designer, right? Like jumping in there and be like, hey, I have a question. Does anyone have a moment to jump on a call to review some, you know, some wireframes or a prototype to put together? So we get a lot of feedback from our communities, be it on Facebook, Slack, uh, as well as our own hosted form. And then digging honestly into review websites too, right? So uh, we take a lot of time to look at how people are talking about us on G2 Crowd, Trustpilot, uh, right. as well as any of like the integration websites we have. So, you know, we have a integration with Salesforce, Shopify, elsewhere. So all of those marketplaces collect reviews. So we, we do a lot to capture and make sure we're, we're keeping a close eye on those. And it keeps going like all through our sales and service teams. So the calls are recorded and then analyzed using a tool called Gong. So anyone right. on the design team can go in there and search and say, hey, I'm, I'm working on uh, you know, our segmentation builder. So let me keyword search the word segmentation and mm-hmm. it will pull up any calls that talk about segmentation. And then right. it'll tell you, you know, was it our team talking about segmentation? Was it the customer? So you can quickly figure that out and then click and dive directly to that point in the conversation to listen to more. We do, it's, uh, and it keeps going, right? Like we, we do right. more traditional surveys, usability studies elsewhere. To the point, honestly, we, we have so many signals of feedback. Mm-hmm. We built a team called the Customer Experience Advocacy Team. This is the team who's basically listening to all of these different sources of feedback, helping mm-hmm. capture them, identify the themes. Uh, they bundle that up, right? And they're continually disseminating the, the knowledge of what they're learning through all those sources. Um, mm-hmm. It's just an incredible, incredible team to have so that you always kind of know the heart and pulse of the customer base. That, that's such a beautiful culture there, right? It's so It's so great that your customers can directly talk to your team and your team can directly get in touch with your customers through that community on Facebook. I mean, that's, that's a really bold mine out there for you guys. Yeah. Uh, so it's, with, so, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I was gonna say it's like, it's, you know, I've worked in other orgs where it's like, it's honestly hard to get a hold of your customers sometimes. Right. Um, mm-hmm. You know, who you sold to might not actually be the person using the product. Uh, right. You got to go through these gates. We don't have that problem whatsoever. The, the, the people are there. They're very accessible and frankly, they're excited and happy to talk to us. So, it's, it's, you know, uh, it's a luxury, frankly. Yeah, and it's a win-win for both of them. I mean, they also trust that people from your team is going to be there if something goes down or, you know, if they are facing a problem with uh, anything that they can't do themselves and, you know, need your team to jump in uh, to help them. I mean, it's a yep. win-win for your customers and as well as for you guys, which makes me curious about so many sources of data, right? So many sources of feedback. And it would vary also, right? Because each each customer would think how to use Active Campaign best for their business, right? So everyone will mm-hmm. tailor it according to them. So there, and so will their feedback also be you know tailored according to their needs and how they are using Active Campaign. So how do you prioritize on you know what feedback to listen to and what should convert from a feedback into an action item? So how do you probably you know pick a needle from the haystack? Yeah. Oh shoot! Such a, a challenge, honestly. <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's a mix, right? You have all of that data coming in. A lot of people kind of pride themselves on being data driven. Um, I'm honestly more interested in being data influenced. I think data is an incredible signal for you, but it mm-hmm. doesn't inherently answer why, uh, and mm-hmm. why has to come from a conversation and dialogue. I think with that customer. So for us, it's always pairing, you know, what is the quantitative and qualitative feedback signals we can get to really understand where is the largest opportunity. And also just like mirroring that against our industry uh, and where technology is essentially growing and allowing us to solve problems in more meaningful ways. 
uh, and where can we essentially use that technology to create a better user experience that hasn't historically been possible, right? right. Mm -hmm. And as we get down into like the prioritization of that, it's, it's starting to really understand what in that matrix is going to have the largest impact, yet often require the least amount of effort. And maybe you're familiar, there's a model called uh, RICE. So it's basically how do you measure reach impact and confidence of something, uh, and then basically divide that by the effort it would take to get that done. Uh, right. That kind of tells you where to prioritize. So, you know, in, in so many ways, we, we kind of look at that, right? What is, what is the impact of this? What is the reach of it? What's our confidence that this is the right thing to do? Uh, and what's the effort to it? And that kind of right. allows us to put things in a different lens to prioritize. Totally. So you, you use the right framework to kind of prioritize what from all these sources of feedback, which, which to turn into an actionable item for, your, for the product. Yep. You got so it. it. Yeah. So it would involve a lot of data. So you, there must be some calculation that is going on in determining what's the reach of this or what's the impact of this, right. And how many efforts you want to put. So in that, in all those levels, uh, you, you would be tracking a lot of data, right. So, and this, this thing, which is really, you know, uh, kicking up or it's really trending in terms of design as well. Right. So data for design, right. So what is your, like, you know, take on that? Yeah. Well, so, you know, there is, you have all the data of the front of that, right. So those are all basically signals that are providing direction. When you get into the design side, much more about learning, are you on the right course than two, right? So as you're making any optimizations, you know, what data do you look at? How do you actually start to quantify like you're on the right track? So for us, it's a matter of, before we dig into a project, understanding what's the goal and what would be a signal of, uh, you know, a positive outcome here. And can we measure ourselves against that? So that can manifest itself in, in different types of data too, right? So again, uh, wanting to make sure you're pairing the qualitative with the quantitative side, you know, we'll set up, you know, Pendo or Google Analytics to make sure we're getting, you know, a healthy number of events and analytics around that as well as looking at like our own databases and the platform for the uses mm-hmm. end of that statistics, right? We essentially ETL all that into Snowflake and then we put Looker on top of that to basically start to build out views and dashboards and reports of what we're building. And oftentimes we make that an exercise before we do the actual design or development, right? Mm-hmm. So we'll say like, hey, what, like, put this into a dashboard. What would you need to see? What are the metrics you're going to monitor? How would you actually start to peel back the layers of that? And doing that up front changes the conversation a bit, right? Uh, and keeps right. you true and honest as you start to design and develop what you're building. Um, right. So, I mean, even design can have data, right? So yeah. what, what would be those design metrics uh, that you're tracking? Like? Yeah. So for me, like design fundamentally is uh, oriented around solving a problem. Very rarely would we go somewhere just to see how something looks or to be excited that it's a, you know, a clean looking website or interface, right? You know, we're going somewhere to do something. We have a, a job we want done, something we're trying to accomplish. So, you know, the metrics on design are the ones we're thinking about and how are we making that job easier to do and what would mm-hmm. signal that um, and pairing that against like, what is the value or benefit to our business? So, right. you know, if you're on kind of that, the acquisition side of the business, it's, it's going to be largely around conversion rate, right? So what, you know, draw out the funnel from email sent to open to clicked to website visit to, you know, actual 
capture of a contact information or interest down into what is the percentage that a deal is created off of that to the deal is closed. What is the you know, average deal size? You know, and like there are things you can do in the design to play with that. Right. So, you know, do you get people to uh, sign up in higher plan tiers? So are they coming in on what would be a plus or pro plan versus one of the lighter plant tiers? Is someone signing up for an annual subscription versus a monthly subscription? Um, right. So it kind of depends on what you're looking at there. The opposite side of that, like in the product side, you know, you're, you're probably looking at what is the adoption of a given product or feature. So, you know, if you're rolling out a new product, uh, mm-hmm. are people using it? Are they abandoning it? Do you have, what would be a happy path of using that product and what are the increments of that flow and are people dropping off by certain percentages at different flows and what percentage of people get to complete those? What then becomes the MPS of accounts that use those features versus not? What is the right. AC of accounts that use those versus not? What is uh, the churn rate of accounts that use that mm-hmm. or not? Right. So, yeah. um, so many different ways you can kind of split and slice the data, mm-hmm. but again, kind of going back to what's the problem you're trying to solve or what's the goal and making sure you can identify that up front, build out your reporting, and then dig in from there. Totally. And I mean, so do you guys, if you guys are tracking so much of data, right, and going so deep into the research of uh, tracking data as well. So do you guys associate any, you know, design metrics for growth as well? Like, uh, are you associating growth to design as well? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, design to me is kind of a team sport. So, you know, very rarely will you hear me say like, oh, design did this and we accomplished that. You know, it'd be, it'd be the team did this and, and that's yeah. done in partnership with what would be marketing, product, engineering right. and others. But certainly like design digs in, right? So our entire onboarding flow, you know, design has played a large part in understanding what are the, you know, what's the conversion optimization of how that works. We have an entire product team focused on customer journey and product onboarding, you know, thinking about those optimizations of how do we get people to adopt this? How do we mm-hmm. uh, drive more conversion optimization around this? So kind of deep into the weeds of that. And then also, you know, we are, we are a product led company, you know, customer oriented, customer focused, but yeah. we, we do borrow a lot of what is kind of that product led growth methodology. So mm-hmm. emails sent with active campaign, depending on your tier might say, you know, emails sent with active campaign in it. Right. So the product begins to promote itself. Uh-huh. Um, you might see subscription forms on websites that say marketing by active campaign, or you might uh-huh. see our live chat on a website that says conversations by active campaign, right? So an example of where we're using some product led growth to help drive and create uh, you know, a bit of a flywheel as well as a hook into using the product to fundamentally grow itself, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, that's, totally. a, that's, that's part of the design conversation. Yeah, totally. I mean, so product-led growth is like, you know, such a trending topic since a couple of years. I mean, like a lot of startups are focusing on that because they realize that it's important to take the user, like to focus your growth in towards, like, you know, how users are using the products and, you know, doing stuff what they want. So yeah. putting them onto the center, right? Because it's at the end, the customer use who's, or the user who's using the product, right? And not your product manager or product designer who are going to use the product. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, so so I think we have reached the course here. And I have a few lightning questions or rapid fire questions. Uh, Shay, are you ready? I, I think so. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, awesome. So yeah, so let me start. So what do you know about your work now that you wish you'd have known when you first started? Oh, 
that there's not a right answer, right? Mm -hmm. The things inherently generally aren't binary. It's often not true or false. It's somewhere in the middle with many signals of what could be a good answer. So don't focus on finding, you know, absolute truth. Focus mm -hmm. on learning, growing, and having good signals there within. Totally. And uh, yeah, so what did your biggest professional failure, failure teach you? Ooh, more <laughs> empathy, honestly. I, I, like my drivers are around essentially achievement and control. That doesn't always lean itself well into being a great leader and leading a strong team. So practicing empathy with those you're helping lead, mm -hmm. understanding that your story and the experiences you have are different from others and that you have to see the world from other perspectives and opinions and not hold on to yours so tightly in that scenario. Right. And what's the number one thing that has helped you to shorten your craft learning curve? Ooh, I am a very kinesthetic learner. I have to get my hands on something. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love to read. I like devour books left and right. Those are essentially just kind of like the kindling, right? They get some, some of my learning started, but really digging in. So right. uh, the ability uh, and time I spent in creating a community of mentors, working on side projects, that's been just, you know, substantial in, in what I've learned and kind of how I've grown. Right. And what's your parting piece of advice to anyone who is listening right now? Like, you know, what are maybe two or three actionable items that you can give them that they can, you know, go and implement? Ooh, you know, like I've been doing this a while and I think I, I have a lot of empathy for people starting today. I think there are just a ton of resources and tools and ways to like learn and grow and educate. Uh -huh. But that's also a bit of, uh, you know, decision paralysis. Like you don't know what's good. You don't know what's quality. Right. You don't know where to get started, right? Like you start Googling mm -hmm. these things and you can get in a yeah. rabbit hole quickly. So I, you know, I tell people just focus on momentum, like learning and growing through that, you know, small progress is, is good progress, right? And um, right, totally. You know, oftentimes, like it's the person who gets on base, who has the RBIs, mm -hmm. you know, who is sadly you know, always contributing, but that makes a larger difference versus someone who comes in and hits the grand slam, right? Um, really? So if you're growing and, and you have momentum around that, be comfortable with that. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's a good thing. Yeah. I don't know. That's orient myself. Yeah. Yeah. And even, so according to me, what I think is like, you know, the go the process is more important uh, than the goal, right? Mm -hmm. So whenever you start, whatever you start, if you're in the process, when you're doing it, that's more important. That's more exciting than, you know, hitting the goal. It's yeah. uh, what I think. <laughs> in, in yeah. This. And yeah, and definitely in terms of, you know, coming back to, you mentioned that, you know, there are a lot of tools which would people would need, you know, to get started in anything. So a little a little piece that I would, you know, give back on behalf of Active Campaign is so I know that Active Campaign has a lot of free tools that that you can uh, use to get started. I stumbled it up on its website in a long back uh, when it got added. I I found it in some uh, Slack community. So the uh, Active Camp these the website has you know subject line generators, webinar templates, and like you know CRM templates, and you can you know create a buyer persona, create a social media calendar, and and lot. I mean, so you can. Uh, let's go and download these and these are freely available I mean so yeah. that's something that you yeah. can, everyone can you know make use of 
We have an incredible content and education team. So yeah, you're absolutely right. We have a a number of free tools out there to help folks Mm -hmm. get started, as well as an entire education center. In an education center that covers not only how to use Active Campaign, but how to build, you know, ideal customer experiences. So how do you become a good sales rep? How do you become a good marketer? You know, how do you actually deliver these experiences? So uh, yeah, certainly a plethora of tools in there. If you, I think it's activecampaign.com forward slash learn. We'll take you over to the education center with a lot of different resources and tools in there. Great. I'll make sure to include uh, a link in the in the description. So yeah. So thanks a lot, Shay. I mean, uh, this was very interesting. Yeah. Likewise. Thank you for having me, Sunil. I appreciate it.